to wherever you are in the world listening to this podcast, the James Dyer Podcast, with me, your host, James Dyer. Thank you very much for joining us, tuning back in. And today, I'm just going to do a quick review of the Premier League games from the weekend that has just gone. Um, James and I did a show last Thursday predicting some of the games, and I'll be going through those to see who came out on top in terms of their predictions. Um, And I do know, what I do remember, is that we both predicted a 1-1 between Newcastle and Leeds, and Sue, and so... And Sue, I'm thinking about Ronaldo already. And so it came to pass on Friday evening at St. James's Park. Uh, Rafinha scoring for Leeds um, in the early part of the game. It was around the sort of 13th minute or so, taking the lead for Leeds there. But then St. Maximum, just before half-time, equalising with a wonderful solo effort. And he was excellent for the majority of that game. And he... St. Maximum is the one player for Newcastle that I think gives them some level of hope this season. I worry for Newcastle. I have a bit of a love for Newcastle. Um, I don't really know where it comes from. I think kind of Bobby Robson, you know, those kind of early 2000s, getting in the Champions League. Um, saw some great nights with Alan Shearer scoring some wonderful goals. So I have a bit of a, a bit of a love for Newcastle. But I also have a love for Leeds. My dad was a Leeds fan um, in his formative years. Um, so I wasn't unhappy to see a 1-1 draw, um, but I do. I am concerned about both those sides. I think they need to pick up some points, but I'm kind of glad that neither of them picked up points against one another. They got the one point each. Moving on, um, we're going to talk about um, a game which... I'm going to leave. I was going to talk about the Burnley Arsenal game actually, but I'm going to leave that to the end because that's obviously my club. So let's move to uh, Aston Villa. We'll do it in alphabetical order. So we'll move to Aston Villa, um, and they demolished Everton. Um, Everton, after a great result against Burnley on Monday night football, um, three-one winners at Burnley there. But uh, and obviously Townsend scoring that absolute worldie. But Everton were on the back of a couple of pretty decent goals themselves. Uh, oh, sorry, they were they were taken back by a couple of decent goals themselves. One from uh, Matty Cash, who scored a wonderful goal. Really good effort as well. His first goal for Aston Villa. Um, Dinya with a uh, own goal from, a, I think it was a Bailey corner. I think uh, Leon Bailey, the Jamaican um, winger brought in over the summer, was one of the sort of... Um, replacements for Jack Grealish um, and he came on and made a wonderful impact and scored an absolute belter it was a wonderful finish I thought he was going to take the net with it that's how strong the finish was so that was a really really good finish um, Brighton beating Leicester 2-1 um, Mope with a penalty although I've re- I've looked at that again and for me he fouls Vestergaard and Vestergaard's arm is in a slightly unnatural position but it's almost like he's trying to balance himself uh, but the penalty was given anyway um, so more pay scoring, um, Welbeck also scoring. So that was two for Brighton and Jamie Vardy getting his 150th Leicester City goal uh, in that game, uh, but to no avail. Leicester also had two goals disallowed for offside calls. Um, the first one, yeah, I think the first one he does affect the vision of the Brighton keeper, but the second one, I think it was harsh. I think that could have ended 2-2. And the Vardy goal, the move for the Vardy goal, if you've not seen it, go look it up on YouTube or on, on Sky. Um, it was a terrific equaliser. Uh, sorry, not equaliser. It was a terrific goal, and it was worthy of getting them back into that game. Unfortunately, Leicester didn't have quite enough. And Brighton have started the season terrifically well. I think Brighton are up to fourth with 12 points they've won four they've lost only one um and they have a positive goal difference of three they've done really well so far they're just a point behind City uh sorry they're just a point behind United Liverpool and Chelsea City and Everton uh, on 10 points behind Brighton Tottenham there on on in seventh on nine so Brighton have started really really well 
Moving on from them, um, we've got the... Let's go with uh, Man City. Man City versus Southampton at the Etihad. And although it was nil-nil, it was a game with plenty of incident. And Adam Armstrong was adjudged in the end after a VAR review and, and John Moss refereeing was adjudged to have fouled Carl Walker in in the build-up. Um, so initially, if you haven't seen it, initially, I believe a penalty was given and a red card was given to Carl Walker. Then after a VAR review, they decided that Adam Armstrong had fouled Carl Walker and the red card was rescinded, the penalty withdrawn. Really bizarre and actually, having watched it, I'm not so sure. Uh, that, that for me looked like a penalty and a... Uh, red card, look, you know, one of those things. But the, the penalty for me, because you talk about double jeopardy and did he play the board and blah, blah, blah. I think that's a penalty. And I think Southampton would be frustrated not to come away with three points from the Etihad for the first time in a while. So uh, Man City rode their luck. And they're looking like a team that need a striker. Who would have thought? Anyway, uh, moving on from them, we've then got Norwich, who are in trouble. Norwich in trouble. So Dennis scoring um, for Watford. Puki equalising, and then Ishmael Assar, um, who looks like an absolute player, by the way. Uh, he's now been at Watford for two or three seasons. He's really stuck it out. There were some links with him with Man United, if I remember rightly, um, before Man United got Cavani in the summer previous to this one, um, uh, when it didn't look like they were going to get Sancho, uh, Sancho. And I'm pleased Saar has stayed, and you know he probably is going to progress better in a team that might do a bit of yo-yoing for a while, but eventually he'll come. He'll come really good. So a couple of goals for him, uh, and not Norwich. Let's be honest, Norwich are in trouble. They haven't got a point yet on the board. Um, they've played five. They've lost five. They've got a minus twelve goal difference. They've scored only two, um, and they're you know as I say their their record at the moment reads five losses. Moving on from them. Um, Let's flick over to the Liverpool game. So Liverpool uh, play Palace. And actually, I remember predicting on Thursday that I thought Palace might pick something up here, but no chance. Liverpool were back to their sumptuous, glorious and flowing best with Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah and Keita with a fabulous volleyed goal from the edge of the box. Really lovely goal. And he did a did a sort of Cantona-esque celebration, which I really enjoyed watching. Um, so 3-0 to Liverpool there. And they're absolutely flying. They're doing really well. Second in the league for them. Joint points with Chelsea. Chelsea only top on alphabetical order. Uh, then we move to Wolves and Brentford. And Wolves surprised me. Wolves have won one game this season, but I thought Wolves would do better here. But Wolves lost to Brentford at home 2-0. Ivan Tony with a penalty and Buemo scoring. And Baptiste, actually, for Brentford, got a red card, a second yellow. Um, yeah, it was a red card in the end, you know. Um, but to be fair, Brentford have done very well so far. Brentford now... Um, they push themselves up to ninth. They've got two wins, one against Arsenal, one against Wolves. So two teams that probably at the beginning of the season you wouldn't necessarily have fancied them against. But they've got six points out of those games and they've done really well so far. They've also got a couple of draws. So they're only, they've only lost one game so far. So credit where it's due. Brentford doing well so far. And Ivan Tony after his comments about the Arsenal forward line scoring straight after. So credit where it's due. Maybe... Wind your neck in a little bit when it comes to talking about players like Aubameyang and Lacazette who've done it more consistently. But Mr. Tony, well done. You've scored. Let's hope you do well. And maybe Arsenal sign you next summer. Who knows? Moving on from there, we have... Let's jump to the Spurs-Chelsea game. And this was a drubbing. This was a 
complete performance in the end from Chelsea. And you know what this performance said to me? Is that Thomas Tuchel is a wonderful coach. I always felt, and I said last week on the podcast, that I felt with Thomas Tuchel he was... He looked like a bit of a rabbit caught in headlights at PSG. You know, lots of names to manage, lots of big egos. And you, you have to question who's really managing that side because, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, there is going to be pressure from above to play Neymar, play Mbappe, play Angel de Maria. They're going to they're gonna be forced in. Um, but at Chelsea, whilst you've got big names and you've got some wonderful talent there, there are some players emerging in that team, you know, Havertz and Mount and, you know, people like this who are, and Callum Hudson, uh, Callum Hudson Adoy, who are emerging talents but are very capable. And what I really liked was that Tuchel made the brave decision at half time to take off Mount. And I call it brave because Mount is a fan's favourite. He's a Chelsea boy through and through, loves the club, loves the team. And it is a brave decision in a big game like that, in one of the sort of London derby games, to take off a player at half time, swap him for Kante. Um, and that changed the game, whether it was, you know, Kante ended up scoring or it was a deflected goal, uh, but he did have a significant impact. Um, Thiago Silva scoring the first goal for Chelsea there in the second half from a header, excellent header. Kante with a deflected shot and then a late, late third, uh, I think it was about 92, 93 minutes, a Timo Werner assist for Antonio Rudiger. And let's be honest, it could have been five or six. Um, Werner spurned a good chance. Kovacic, he was, had a great opportunity with his, with his left foot. He didn't take it and then kind of cut back in and it was a bit of a waste in the end. Um, so it could have been more. Uh, Spurs were pathetic. Spurs were weak. Spurs were poor. And they were almost as bad as how Arsenal were uh, against Chelsea themselves a couple of weeks ago. Not quite as bad. Ah, oh, maybe worse. They're Spurs. Uh, they were worse. Um, and actually, I think probably their fans are going to start looking at Nuno uh, Espirito Santo now because... In that first half, you don't you don't contain a team like Chelsea for forty five minutes. Maybe arguably be the slightly better team, and then capitulate like that in the second half. It, it shouldn't happen. Uh, and let's be honest, Spurs are in a place where apparently they're in one of their best places, or have been. Okay, not right now, but have been up until Pochettino left. Uh, they thought the grass was greener. In a similar way to Arsenal, funnily enough, thought the grass was greener, and it hasn't turned out to be that way. The only difference is is that Spurs are yet to win a thing. Pretty much in my lifetime. They've won only a couple of trophies in my lifetime. So, you know, this Spurs team, uh, you know, with the North London derby coming up on Sunday, uh, they need to buck up their ideas. And I speak as, I speak from that as a neutral. I'm not a neutral. I'm a gooner and I don't want them to pick up any sort of form before Sunday. Moving on now to the West Ham versus Manchester United game uh, at the London Stadium. And... Wow, this game was quite some game. It was fiery. It was fun to watch. It was hotly contested. Two good teams. And let's be fair, whilst I'm not a Man United fan in any stretch, and I can't stand them really, I wanted West Ham to win. You have to give credit where it's due. West Ham are a good, good side. They are a really good side. They're eighth in the league, despite that loss to Man United over the weekend. They had a really good start to the season. They picked up from where they left off last season. They are missing another centre forward. They've got Mikel Antonio, but they need someone else. But... They're a good side, and Man United did really well to come, um, not only from a goal behind, but to go on and win the game. Ben Rama scoring a deflected shot. It's one of those. You know, there's nothing De Gea can do about it. It's just one of those, very similar to the Kante one against Tottenham. Um, that put them up. And then Ronaldo, not long after. Ronaldo again. I think that's four in three games or something like that in all comps, or five in three or five in four or something like that. He is on fire um, and scoring it, and could have had two or three more, actually, and could have had a couple of penalties, but... 
you know, they, they didn't need them in the end. But I think uh, Mark, Goldridge, uh, Mark Goldbridge made a great point on United Stand that we should still analyse these referees' behaviours just because the result went the way it should have done in terms of what was given and what wasn't. You know, you can't let referees get away with poor decisions. You just can't. Um, and in my opinion, Ronaldo should have had at least one penalty, maybe two. Uh, but the drama came in the last part of the game. Lingard coming on and scoring an absolute fabulous goal. And credit where it's due. I, I, it's really weird. As an Arsenal fan, obviously, up until his West Ham move, I couldn't stand Jesse Lingard. But after his West Ham move, I've kind of fallen back in love with him a little bit. You know, something about him. And I like the fact that he's open about his mental health. And he's just he's just a likeable guy, I think. And until he, and, you know, unless he start Millie rocking in the Emirates again, uh, I'm quite pleased that Lingard scored. Uh, and it was a beautiful goal, to be fair. Cutting in on his right-hand side and putting it top bins. It was a lovely finish. But then the drama came, the major drama. Mark Noble um, coming on to take a penalty one uh, against Luke Shaw after a handball. And I think it probably was. It's not a lot he could do with his hand, but it was in a slightly weird position. It was out. He's an experienced defender now. He should just keep his hands by his sides. Um, it was a penalty for me. But Mark Noble came in, uh, took the penalty, and David De Gea made a wonderful... And it was a good save, you know. It's a wonderful save because it's not a bad penalty. Decent height. But it's it's over in that corner, and De Gea gets a good, strong right arm to it. It's a really good save. Uh, and basically, that was pretty much the last kick. Man United then went on to win the game 2-1 um, from that Lingard goal, but also De Gea winning them, a match-winning save, a defining save in the game. And credit where it's due. And, you know, De Gea, um, and as I said, I'm not a Man United fan by any stretch, but De Gea has had a lot of a lot of negative press, and that the, 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 the media has been really up against... Uh, David De Gea pushing for Dean Henderson and the reality is is that David De Gea is, is and has continued to be a world-class keeper and like any world-class player he has had up and down moments that have not served him very well or Man United very well but he is on his day world-class and this season he looks like the David De Gea of two or three years ago who is un- who is unstoppable and pretty formidable in that goal and I for one as an Arsenal fan uh, and not looking forward to come up against him. So, you know, and I really like David De Gea. You know, he comes across really well. He seems like a nice guy. Um, so I think people just need to remember the quality and not push for Dean Hendo too much. Um, David De Gea proving his worth to Manchester United. Uh, and then, finally, Burnley versus Arsenal. My team, Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal making it two wins on the spin. Two wins on the spin. Arsenal coming out 1-0 victors at Turf Moor. Physical game. Um, Burnley threw pretty much everything at it. But Ramsdale, Tomiyasu, Gabriel, Partey, people like that really showing the grit and determination that from an Arsenal fan's perspective we don't show often enough. And they did in this game. And Erdegaard matched the effort and the guile and the physical presence of the Burnley um, attack versus our stout defending Erdegaard matched our defensive qualities with a fabulous free kick, making it 1-0. And I tell you what, for all of Arteta's faults and for all of the difficult start we've had to the season, that's two wins, two clean sheets, two 1-0s. We just need to keep it going when it comes to the North London derby on Sunday. And I will preview that game later on in the week. But for now, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you once more. We are going to do some different content on this channel soon, I promise. I know it's been pretty much football-related and I know it hasn't been particularly interesting to listen to if you're not a football fan. But there will be more content coming soon. Thank you very much for listening. I wish you all the best. Stay safe. Stay well. Bye for now. (laughs) 